0: Question this morning is who the hell stole summer? And if you uh, have it, can you please return it? I like it. Oh, it's okay. I mean, I, I, I listen. I, I like hate hey, bugs. What bugs in the summertime grab me nuts. It was just a little bracing this morning when I got. Nice. You're wearing a jacket. It's not a jacket. It's a jacket. You what always you, getting you me. Wear? You, I'm wearing a sweater. You always getting me because you think you think who that I wear sweaters anymore. You always get on me because you, you think that I kind of misjudge the weather and that I, I, I jump into the fall thing a little, a little too early mm. and that I'm too late taking off the warm stuff into the summer. You're saying it. But, you know, last night at the ballpark, this is and, and I'm, I actually didn't plan this segue, but it, it did kind of feel a little playoffish last night at the ballpark. There was a little fall in the air, a little chill, roof was open. I don't think the Rays like the Jays, and the Jays like the Rays.
1: I get that feeling.
0: I like that. Maybe Cash is pissed off because they fired his buddy Charlie. Did you ever think of that? Maybe. I wonder if Charlie, you think Charlie's giving them the state secrets?
1: Uh, I'm I'm sure Kevin's asked. (laughs) Hey.
0: Remember we used
1: to be buddies.
0: I mean, there was there was an Oo pitch out mm. in a game earlier What this. are you just trying I, to say, saying, Jeff? I'm just saying. What are you trying to say? I'm just saying that maybe that explains why there's a little bit of uh, animosity there. Uh, I like it. It's about time. Well, it's about time that we saw it kind of mm. go back the other way. Like it, 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 it it's. It was nice yesterday. The the Jays won five one, and uh, if Kevin Gossman can hold serve today, oh, that's a nod to Roger Federer retiring. If Kevin Gossman can hold serve today, uh, those of us who predicted four or five going to the Jays will will be will feel pretty pretty bold. You're the only one. No. Yeah, I got faith. Is that what it was? Yeah, I do. That's I what it I, was. I I do. Ah, I do. The question I asked you on Blue Jays talk last night it was a stupid question to be honest yeah because i I, won it's easy no easy answer to that question the the, the question was i said to you after the game because i know that you've talked about you you believe in peaking and 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 teams peaking and you talked earlier Mm -hmm. about the yankees maybe peaking too early and i asked you last night all right the jays are what they're 12 and Mm 4 sorry 11 and 4 in september um they're on a heater right now after that 5-1 win they are in a position to take four or five from the Rays if they beat Shane McClanahan today. Not that's going to be that that's going to be easy, but they're in a position to do it. And I asked you, all right, do you think that maybe the Jays are peaking right now? And what I should have asked you is, can the Jays peak with Vladdy Jr. doing what he's doing right now? And I know last night he hit the 100th home run, but is it possible to say this team is, is peaking that this is this team is playing at its maximum performance level. No, without Vladdy being at that maximum performance level. Or Springer, or, or Springer though. I, or Teoscar. Springer's hurt. I think we need to kind of. Uh, I know. I get your point. So they're not. They're not. You, you can't say that they're peaking yet because Springer, Vladdy, and Teoscar. No, but are contributing the way we think that but they But I will contribute.
1: say now, like against teams like the Rays, now they can match up on the pitching side. Yeah. Be, For a couple of reasons. Stripling has done whatever he's doing mechanically, confidence wise. The changeup is a weapon. It's not a pitch anymore. It's a weapon. He almost threw 36
0: of them. 26 out of his 87 pitches were changes. Uh, Eight eight of his 12 whiffs came in the changeup.
1: Yeah, he threw uh, 24 seamers. He threw 19 sinkers or 17 sinkers, threw uh, 15 sliders and nine knuckle curveballs. It's the – it's just – it's being unpredictable. It's having confidence in throwing any pitch, any time. Now, the knuckle curve is using that more to steal a strike. Who's going to go up and swing in a big 12-6 yakker that you can throw for strikes? Not too no, many people. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. So, you know, he throws enough to steal strikes in that way. I just think the pitching for me is the, the ninth inning solidified, the eighth inning solidified. They have multiple options they, that they can go to in the seventh inning. Stripling is doing these kind of things. And Jose Barrios has turned the corner. When you make in-game adjustments, how far will that take you in the playoffs? Some guys are going to have to hit homers. That would be the one thing for me is yeah. who, who's going to step up and do that? Because when you face good pitching in the playoffs – It's going to be real tough to string together. Now, you may have one big inning, and that's why I get back to the pitching. I've said this for a little while now. It's about pitching, pitching, and more pitching. I mean, I hate to state the obvious, but when's the last time you could say that about a Blue Jays team? Huh? It's hard. So now I think, you know, again, I said this last night. It's starting the season. It was about their lineup. Their lineup is going to take them as far as they're going to go. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back off that and go the other direction. I think their rotation And their bullpen
0: will take them as far as they're going to go, however far that will be. The 5-1 win last night uh, was interesting, as have been the Jays' three wins in this series because we've seen the Jays put pressure on the Rays defensively. There was that key play last night with Walls. And uh, it's almost been – Kevin, it's almost as if every one of the games in this series has had – has had somebody make a defensive mistake or a misplay or something that's contributed to the the, the turning to the turning point of the game, and in general, I had, a, I had a chance to talk to Jordan Romano before the game yesterday, and we were talking about the Jays under John Schneider, and just the sense you get that there is a little more aggressiveness that the game is being managed a little more aggressively and and this may be you know the product of the fact that it's September, right? <laughs> everything everything is magnified in in September. But Ross Stripling was asked after the game last night about the way John Schneider has used his bench. His bench won the game his bench helped win the second game of that doubleheader. No question. About how he's used his bullpen. And just in general, the the way the Jays in this series, they've kind of done to the Rays what the Rays often do to other teams. And, and I thought Ross Stripling's answer to that question was interesting. Lance, can you can you play that, please?
2: Yeah, I love it. Um, You know, putting guys in opportunities to succeed succeed and and guys taking advantage of it based on their strengths, right? Zimmer and JBJ, two of the best defenders in baseball that now we can kind of fit in. Some can start or you can throw them in there late and we got all of a sudden like one of the best outfields in baseball with those two roaming around out there and George obviously plays a great outfield as well. Um, But I just feel like we're more athletic. Um, you know, it seems like we're stealing more bases or putting more pressure on the defense, whether that's hitting runs or whatever. And then, um, you know, we've obviously played really really good baseball since Schneider has taken the helm. I mean, we've been up and down for sure, but for the most part, it seems like we've, we've really played well. So, you know, testament to him for sure and, and knowing us and trusting us to go out there and, and do our thing. Um, you know, so definitely happy with, with the decisions that he makes overall and, and feeling great about where we're at, coaching staff,
0: players, all the way around. It's Ross Stripling. It was interesting hearing him talk about that. And, and you know, Caleb Joseph made the point during the broadcast last night. Uh, the Jays finished with uh, with Zimmer, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Tapia in the outfield. Springer came out in the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. Essentially finishing the game with three center fielders. I mean, Tapia could play center field. Three guys who can play center field. And... I'm starting to think that in addition to you're right, I, I think the Jays the Jays go as far as their pitching takes them and I think the defense has become has become even more of a priority for this team. I think there was a reason people can say what they want about Bradley Zimmer, but I think there's a reason this team has Bradley Zimmer and Jackie Bradley Jr. in the team. Springer. Springer and also but even if even if George Springer's still healthy, even if George Springer's still healthy. I'd rather have Jackie Bradley Jr. in right field than Teoscar Hernandez in the ninth inning of a game with a one-run lead or two-run lead.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I think it's about the scoreboard. You know, it's it sounds simple, but the scoreboard tells you everything you need to do going forward. You saw Danny Jansen have uh, with the contact play at third base, third base because yep. of where they're at in the order mm-hmm. and what the scoreboard's telling you and the pressure that you want to put on a team because of how your team looks offensively and who you're facing on the other side of the ball who is hard to string together hits and everything that the scoreboard is doing is telling John Snyder what to do in that moment. And it's, it sounds simple, but it's not letting the moment get ahead of you too much that all you do is just look up at it and go, Hey, okay. That's saying what the score is. Who's hitting, who's at third. Where's the defense at? I'm going to put the play on. sounds simple, but that forces that other team to make a play that a lot of the times they can't make. And it, it's how you win a bunch of baseball games.
0: Yeah, and it, the, a couple of things happened last night, or didn't happen, or almost happened last night. You know, one the the and I have, we didn't get a chance to talk to John Schneider after the game. I'd like to to talk to him about what happened in that play with Santiago, uh, with Santiago Espinal and Ryan Altapia, um, the stop and steal or the steal and stop. I guess stop and steal is something Caleb was talking about, and Espinal didn't uh, didn't make the right read in that play. And we saw John Schneider talk to him in the dugout afterwards. Uh, after that inning, he made an error in that inning and, and you know, the Jays got out of it. But uh, there was that and there was also something Caleb noticed and you can see it on the replay. And I, I think he's right. I think the Jays, the Jays were thinking about that back pick using Biggio with Biggio and, uh, and Jansen late in the game. They didn't, they didn't do it uh, because it was, that was the pitch that Ramirez, Ramirez was hit by the pitch. It's kind of interesting, though, the the stuff we're seeing from this team, and we've seen it all year with Vladdy. We talked about Vladdy being very aggressive in first base. Kevin, this just shows. I, I I think the the confidence John Schneider must have in these. Yeah, guys.
1: and if you're a bench player, you better be ready to play. Right, you better be, be oh, ready better to be, do certain things. You, be, in certain you better, parts better be ready to no do question. everything. No, if question. you're a bench
0: player in this team, because you're not just going to pinch hit. Uh, you, I mean, you're going to be you're going to be doing something. You're going to be doing something. If you're in this roster, <clears throat> you're going to be doing something. Like <clears throat> Gabriel Moreno, it, you know, he's on the roster right now. John Schneider was asked about him. He's going to get into the game at some point. Mm. Don't know where it is, but he's going to get into the game at some point. And, and it's, it's what I like about, about this team because I think what it, what it has done is if you're not getting production from a lot of your core players – like nobody expects Jackie Bradley Jr. to come in and, and be the offensive player Tay Oscar is, but give me that superior defense, and just give me a chance when you're at the plate to it's not going to gonna put hurt your team. That's what you're saying, <clears throat> exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about this this bench. And I think John Schneider's figured that out. And, you know, even Whit Merrifield, Whit Merrifield's not doing much, <clears throat> not doing much offensively. But you can have him in the game, and you're just you're not sitting there saying, "Don't let the ball." be hit to that guy. This is one of the (laughs) few times I've watched a Blue Jays team where I look around the field. There is not a weak link defensively at times on that team. We haven't always been able to say that. And and, and a a lot of it has to do, yeah, I'm not going to turn it into hammering Teoscar and certainly not Lourdes, but Mm. the Jays are now in a position where they can field a team where there is not a glaring defensive weakness at any position late in the game, I think it's about their pitching. I, I really do. I,
1: I I think all the things you just mentioned is that's pluses for your team. You know that when you fill in the blanks with whoever you have to fill it in with, they're not going to hurt your team. They're yeah. going to catch the balls, and you know they're going to do little things first to third. You know, score from first. Like, they're going to do little things that you need to do. But for me, it's about the pitching. Just look at the pitching yesterday. The the way they command the strikes on, the way Jimmy Garcia gets first and second and then punches out three people. What have me and you been yelling and screaming all year? They need more swing and miss out of the pen. Well, all of a sudden now, because of his heater, you know, they're hitting a buck 15 off his fastball. Mm -hmm. It's not like he throws 105 miles an hour. I mean, it's 94-95. It's sneaky. He has a weird weird little delivery, release point. It's sort of like three-quarter. And for him to be able to come in and do that in big parts of games against teams that, quite frankly, do that to the Jays, mm. I just, for me, you know, it's very hard for me to come on here and give this much credit to pitching because it's just – it just makes you wonder what the Jays, can they continue to do this and go where they want to go? But, man, it sure seems like it. Like, it just – for whatever reason, they're buying into what John's selling. You need me in the fifth? Okay. You need me to come in the sixth inning and get a big out? Okay. You need me to do whatever and skip a day and, and pitch on six days? Rest? Okay. No problem. I'm going to do it because I think that'll help our team. It's it's court, it's kind of nice to watch them just figure out ways to win baseball games that, quite frankly, they, they're supposed to win.
0: They're 81-62 now. 19 games over 500 for the first time this year going into today's game. A 307 first pitch reminder. 307 on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 the fan. 307 first pitch. Kevin Gossman against Shane McClanahan. Want to bring it back to, uh, to the starting pitching last night because Drew Rasmussen is a guy who the Jays have had trouble with. And I, I mean, I don't even know, I don't know what, what there's left to say about, about Ross Stripling. We touched on it a little bit. Uh, that changeup, Kevin has got going into the game. They had a graphic on on Sportsnet. His changeup has got a 47.9% chase rate. That's the fifth best of any major league pitch, of any pitch thrown by a major leaguer. We saw it again yesterday, 12 total whiffs, eight in the changeup. He is really unpredictable, and I I bold, bolded something here. I figured it out like, early in the game that the Rays are really aggressive. It was obvious what they were trying to do. They were swinging at first pitches a lot. But as the game went on, and I thought, particularly in, I thought particularly in the third and fourth inning, those are some of the most uncomfortable bats I've seen the Rays have against Blue Jays pitching in a long time. they confused um, in between. They're in between a lot. Randy Rosarena had a tough night.
1: Yeah, they only had three lefties in the lineup. That should tell you how good his changeup is that's all you need to say right there. Right, because you know Kevin Cash
0: normally, what's he going to do? Lefty, 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 lefty. lefty, lefty.
1: Exactly. They're they're trying to eliminate the the changeup, and now all of a sudden he'll throw it to righties. Mm -hmm. In any count, he'll throw it three times in a row. He's throwing the two-seamer, which is the same tunnel as the changeup. It's just a different mile per hour. He's locating that. The most important part of that is he has one, two, three, four. He has five pitches. All five he can throw for strikes.
0: Yeah, and if you're throwing nine knuckle curves, like you, you've done more than put that in their in their head.
1: Well, yeah, you got to throw it for strikes, but that's what he's doing, yeah. right? It's it's he's got one going into a righty. He's got one going away to a righty with the slider. He can throw. Uh, he can throw the backdoor two-seamer to a righty. He can elevate the four-seamer. His misses have been great, not good. Mm-hmm. If you remember correctly, mm-hmm. when he was giving up the, uh, all the home runs, what last night he's he's only given up eleven, which last year in a little over a hundred innings he given up what twenty three or twenty four. So he's keeping it in the yard because of the location, because of the misses. I mean, how does he not pitch one of the one of the three games in the playoffs? How if it ended today? We got. I mean, it, you got a couple of weeks to figure this thing out. You
0: got options. But how? I decided that after talking about it today on the Fan Morning Show, I decided I'm, I'm not talking about it anymore. Huh. O- only because we don't, I, I don't know. I, I seriously, I don't know. I know what my head says. I know what my heart says. But I also realize that there's analytics involved in this. And I also, quite frankly, think that let's wait and see what, those games against the Orioles are about before we start planning the postseason rotation.
3: I'm not saying about, they're not
0: going to be in the post. Oh yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot better than talking about who's going to be your opening day starter next year. But let's, let's see what those games in Baltimore involve because I still maintain that there is a chance that you are going to go into that last game Of the year, knowing that you're in the playoffs, or you might even go into that last series of the year against Baltimore, knowing you're in the playoffs, knowing the Orioles aren't going to be in the playoffs, but not knowing who your opponent's going to be. And you don't want to get too cute. You may be in a position where the best thing to do is just win all three games. And if you do that, that has to factor into how you use your pitching. Mm. And maybe what Ross Stripling gives you, maybe we've kind of missed the, the picture here. Maybe what Ross Stripling gives you is if you need to drop the hammer in that Baltimore series, like if, if, if you've got a shot at the East, whatever, if you've got a shot at the East, you may want to go home with... Home field advantage. Say that. Yeah, home field advantage. Mm. You may say, you know what? And, and bear, bear with me here. You may say, we're going to go with our horses. I don't know how it lines up. We may go with our horses to get that. And if we do that... The question's moot. If I need Jose Barrios to start the third game or the second game of that series, Ross Stripling could very well open the playoffs for you, depending mm. on what you need. So that's why I'm I'm saying let's just kind of take a step back and and let's wait and see what happens with with that Orioles series. Where it gets interesting is if the die is cast, and at the end of the going into that series, we know where the Jays are going to finish and who they're going to face. But let's be honest. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. That's not going to happen. Uh-uh. So I, I think we need to be careful getting ahead of ourselves. Drew Rasmussen last night, uh, again, a guy that's given the Jays a lot of trouble. We know what, <laughs> we know what, what gives the Jays trouble. Kevin, I was surprised last night that he – had more balance between his cutter and his fastball. Twenty six cutters, twenty six
1: cutters, twenty four seamers.
0: Yeah, normally it's a, a, a little more. Now I noticed, and I don't know what it means. I noticed his velo was down early in the game. His the velo on his cutter was down two miles an hour. I mm-hmm. don't know would that make that much of a difference. I don't think so. Yeah, it, because it's cutter, right? it, it it's not. I mean, he's make... a he's a ninety four guy, anyways. Not a ninety eight so guy. So it's it's not like it's. But I, I found that really interesting. And uh, well, Drew Rasmussen was asked after the game, and I want to play this clip, was asked after the game, just about the Jays approach against him. And especially in that third inning where he just, he seemed at a loss. He was searching. He was searching throughout the third inning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was beating himself up about the single that Bo Bichette hit in particular. But this is, uh, this is Drew Rasmussen, the race starter after the game. I mean, they had a really good approach um, and, you know, they were really aggressive and,
4: and like I said, when my execution was bad with two strikes in particular, uh, you know, I just think about uh, a lot of the hits I gave up. uh, It was, I mean, I I just feel like, you know, if locations are better with two strikes we, we I limit a lot a lot of what happened um, I mean in particular the Bichette single there in the third uh, you know obviously we're trying to throw that pitch you know both down and off and, and it stays in the zone and I mean he's a really good player and on top of being a really good player he's on a heater right now with like no other so uh, You know, didn't do myself any favors with with, with execution with two strikes.
2: I think a lot of people think of the power in that lineup, but how tough are they in the sense that it seems like they're always putting the ball in play, getting the bat on the ball?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's a really good team approach over there. Um, They are super aggressive, and and when you make big mistakes, they can do damage. We saw that in the first inning, but on top of it, you know, they're not willing to strike out, and so, um, you know, their ability to put the ball in play today did a lot of good for them.
0: That was Drew uh, Rasmussen. It was pretty. I mean, that that's that was a, a pretty pretty bang on good, diagnosis. Good team approach is, is a funny statement. Okay, explain that.
1: Well, eyewash. I I, I, you would certainly think so. Okay. I mean, I mean, batters are hitting 188 with two strikes against him. He was mentioned the Espinal two-strike
0: single. Uh, Bichette, two-strike singles, the one he talked about.
1: Well, I know that, but there was a couple. There was three okay. different ones in the – he gave up three hits in the third inning. Okay. That's the inning right. he's talking about. All three of them came with two strikes. Right. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the bottom of the order, and then the bow was the one that the 0-2 slider that he yep. tried to go down and away with with the two-strike approach that we've been dreaming about. So, mm-hmm. it's – yeah, I don't know. Yeah, look, I, I still think if you, if you make a decent pitch down and away to most of the right-handed hitters, if you're a right-handed thrower – Good chance they're hitting a ground ball to the shortstop. But I do understand what he's trying to say here, that it was the bottom of the order with two strikes, and then it was the Jays' best hitter right now with two strikes. I think that good team approach, he stretched it out and sort
0: of made it sound a little bit better than it actually is. That's just me. No, that's... I but think you I'm can fair that, in saying that. You can see that, too, because everybody would focus on Springer, Guerrero, Bichette, in no this question. team. And if you have a game like that where you've controlled those guys for the most part, well, I mean, Guerrero got the home run, and Bichette had two hits. But I, I think I get what he's saying. It seems like the lineup's longer, right? It, because the, the, the eighth and ninth guys, and I really like, listen, I love the bottom of the order. Tapia Espinel and, and Jackie Bradley Jr., they make you mm. work your ass off. They're they're not Great always point. you know they really do fighting for playing time. Yeah. Period. End of story. I've Poppy? been there. I know what it looks like, and that's what it looks like. a man is an agent of chaos. He want, he want really is an agent of chaos. The only way you're going to play is to do that. Yeah. Uh, we haven't mentioned that we just touched on Vladdy's 100th home run, career cool. home run number 100. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, now that he's reached the milestone, do you think? Hit a ground ball to third and a ground ball to short. Yeah, I- yeah. I'm I'm with you, man. I. Listen, if I know we like the easy narrative. If Vladdy is that focused on his 100th home run, like I'm sorry. Vladdy, I'd be willing to bet Vladdy knew he was going to hit his 100th home run at some point this year. Oh, you'd think so? I, I just don't buy this, that now that you've hit 100, all of a sudden the weight's off your shoulder. You're not chasing Barry Bonds' record. Mm-mm. Vladdy's going to get 100 home runs accidentally. You know, I I just, yeah, it's a milestone because the number is three numbers and there's two zeros in the end, and it looks nice and round. But that doesn't say a damn thing to me. What what was weird about the home run was the fact that that is the most un home run you're ever going to see. 38-degree launch angle, 98 miles an hour. It's almost like he did it on purpose. I mean, they're trying to pitch him down. That's the way they're trying to get
1: him out. They see the ground ball's to short. You know, he's having some challenges, getting the ball in the air, on the ball down. Maybe he's trying to do that on purpose. I I do know know that low T thing is a thing with the Blue Jays. So I look, I I think it's more of he's hitting under 200 in September that needs to get a little better. If they want to go deeper,
0: Brian Anderson is one of our favorites. Tampa Bay's Ray TV analyst, former pitcher will preview a terrific pitching matchup today. This is going to be one of the best pitching matchups you're going to see this year. Folks, Shane McClanahan, against Kevin Gossman with a ton on the line. It's going to be a lot of fun. Brian Anderson's next. It's Blair and Barker on 590, 360, the network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Alish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that DMs are open for Barker's back leg Bits. We'll get to that at the end of the show. SN Jeff players my Twitter handle. I have tickets to give away to see the Jays and Orioles September 18th at the Rogers Centre. We'll do that later on in the show. Dan Schulman will be along. Tony Gwynn Jr., Padres radio analyst as well. And in a couple of minutes, TJ Burton, program manager, amateur baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays. The uh, Jays uh, next week will be holding the Canadian Futures Showcase in Ottawa. Very cool. It's a, uh, it's a huge event in the Canadian baseball calendar. Just about a, a, almost every Canadian player of consequence in the past couple of years, especially those from around here, has come through this showcase. It gives scouts a chance to get together in one place and see the best uh, Canadian baseball players in one area. And it, it's, uh, as, as I said, it, the Canadian junior program, very, 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 very important parts of the development of the game in this country. And the Jays are heavily involved in it. So TJ Burton joins us at 1040. The Rays and Jays wrap up their five-game series this afternoon, 307 first pitch. This is going to be one of the best pitching matchups of the year, frankly. Shane McClanahan coming off the IL for the Rays. Kevin Gossman for the Blue Jays. Again, the Jays have taken three of four from the Rays. We know about the standings. We know what's at stake here. Brian Anderson is a Tampa Bay Rays TV analyst, a former pitcher, and he joins us in Blair and Barker. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. Always always good to uh, to to catch up with you. Um, what are you expecting from Shane McClanahan today? And, and uh, you know, he's coming off the I.L. Do you know will there be any limitations on him as far as Kevin Cash is concerned?
3: Well, I, I hate to be the bearer of, uh, of bad news, at least as far as Rays fans are concerned. Maybe not for Blue Jays fans, but um, yes, he is going to be limited. Kevin Cash said that, you know, obviously coming off of the IL, he's such a uh, prize uh, asset and, and one of the best pitchers in, in Major League Baseball. And so they don't want him to come right off the I.L. and just go full bore and pick up right where he left off. I'm sure they do as far as performance goes, uh, but I don't think that you're going to see him stretched out to 100 pitches and get through six innings. I think that uh, they would be thrilled if, if, you know, he's a very efficient pitcher um, by nature. So I think if they could get him through five, uh, that would be probably the, the top end, you know, 75 pitches. In that range is what I would presume, but uh, Kevin Cash said definitely the first start off the IL that he would be limited.
1: What will you be looking for? Velocity, location, both. What are you be looking for?
3: Yeah, you know what? Uh, velocity number one. I mean, obviously you want to see him back up in his normal range. Uh, but number two, just the snap on the pitches, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sharpness of the breaking balls. Uh, the the curveball ball, uh, you know, obviously has become a, a huge weapon for him. Uh, it's got a lot of late break, and it's very snappy. I mean, it's just up, you know, up, down, really quick, really late. Uh, same thing, you know, that fastball's that got that late life, and, of course, the, you know, the change up in the slider. But But for me, it's going to be the velocity, and it's going to be that curveball. Does that curveball roll into the zone, or does it snap in and, and bottom out? Uh, that, will be, that will be the key for me. And if, and if you see that, then you're like, you know what, he'll be fine, because he's, he's got really good command, and like I said, he's very efficient, but those will be the two keys.
0: What have you seen from the Rays' lineup in the, these past couple of games? Because, look, I thought when Wander Franco's return that, that at the start of this road trip for them, that, that to me like the lineup was back at full strength. Harold Ramirez was there. But, I mean, what, they've scored 21 runs over their last eight games. They put 45 runs up during the previous eight. They've scored four runs in fewer in, or fewer in each of their their past eight games. What are you seeing from that lineup? Just. For-
3: a, a ton of inconsistency. You know, it, it, it's really interesting because, you know, during the opens of our broadcast, we seemingly highlight a different race hitter who's been swinging the bat very well over the last couple of weeks. And But it hasn't been the collective, and they have not complemented each other very well. You know, Yandy Diaz, over his last 18 games, has an on-base percentage of over 500 hmm. in the leadoff spot, but they just don't seem to do much when he gets on. Now, in the at-bat where he doesn't get on, then the guys behind him will get a couple of hits, and then that will drown out. So it's just there has not been complementary uh, hitting they've not been able to piece things together it's been kind of mix and match when they have you know gotten uh, an opportunity they haven't gotten the big hit they get some meaningless hits that that look good on the on the stat sheet but they just haven't led to many runs and i will tell you this and last night was a great example of it they have been pitched tough here recently, too. And I'll tell you something. Ross Stripling last night, that was as good as I've seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, with his arm angle, his release point, the way that he can drive the fastball downhill, the fact that that changeup has become such a weapon for him. I mean, think about where he releases the ball on the mound already. He's straight over the top. That changeup ends up down near the dirt almost impossible to get underneath and, and drive when he executes it. And then he stole at least six, maybe seven first pitch strikes with this curveball last mm-hmm. night. He, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you, he was sharp. He was, he was, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately from the other side, he was actually a lot of fun to watch if you enjoy pitching because he did it at a very high level. Can you explain? And that's what the Rays have been running into.
1: Absolutely. Can you explain to me why Margot is hitting in the six hole?
3: Boys, I wish I could explain a lot of things that the race do to you. I mean, it, it is. listen, I am not kidding you. That is part of the fun part of my day is getting to the ballpark and seeing what the lineup is going to look yeah. like because sometimes you just shake your head. I mean, I'll never forget the first time they brought Jonathan Aranda. And now listen, to his credit, he was having a wonderful season in Durham. And, and this might have been back in June, July you know, earlier in the season. But his first call-off, they roll him right out in the cleanup spot. I, I mean, it was like I, I got there, and I'm like, okay, oh, Aranda, oh, oh, the, the kid that's that just coming up from the minor leagues is hitting cleanup. So th- that's all you need to know about what the, how, how the Rays build their lineup. I, I can't tell you what is going on behind the scenes. I'm sure there's a whole lot of analytics and metrics, yeah. and uh, the geniuses are at work punching the buttons behind the scenes, but I, I couldn't tell you.
0: Brian, did were you a little surprised at uh, Drew Rasmussen's pitch mix last night against the Jays? I thought we'd see a few more cutters, and I I don't know, maybe he wasn't comfortable with it, maybe he had some mechanical issues. I, I I don't know. I didn't see that, but were you a little surprised by that?
3: I I was a little surprised by it, and I just wonder if he had a feel for it because last night, you know, since the All Star break, Drew Rasmussen had the lowest ERA. Uh, in the American League as a starting pitcher. I think it was 1.62 going into last night's game Uh, and had been throwing the ball brilliantly. And, and in fact, his last start uh, against the Yankees, he went six innings, didn't give anything up, and struck out 10, uh, which was a career high for him. And this is what I will tell you. That start against the Yankees was the best I had ever seen his cutter. It was filthy. Mm. He was throwing 89 to 91 miles an hour, and it looked like a slider. It didn't have, like, true cutting action. It actually had some depth to it. And he, I mean, uh, at least six of the strikeouts came on that cutter, and it was absolutely nasty. So, yes, I was expecting, uh, in fact, this, you know kind of talk about that early in the game. Hey, expect that cutter early and often because of how good it was against the Yankees, but we just didn't see it. At the same time, his command wasn't the same either. So maybe he just didn't have a feel for it. Uh, he left too many pitches out over the heart of the plate. He'd be the first one to tell you that. And to the Jays' credit, they took uh, they took full advantage and were able to, you know, play some runs against it.
0: Brian, really good of you to join us. Should Great be a time. lot of fun this afternoon. Thanks, man.
3: Thanks a lot. Uh, hey, no problem. Thanks, fellas. Anytime. All man.
0: right, that is Brian Anderson, Tampa Bay Rays T V analyst, former pitcher.
1: I like it when he says I have no
0: idea. Wow, Emmanuel Margot. Yeah, I don't track. get it either. I mean that just Well I, I, you know, you're not advance. scoring you're not scoring you're not scoring a lot of runs. it, 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 could, it could have been I was going to say it could have been to shake up the lineup. I don't know if the Rays necessarily think that it's way. Hitting 301. Yeah. But oh, it was funny when he was talking about Yandy Diaz getting on base and the, and nothing happening behind him. Oh, yeah. I felt like it sounded like another team, you know? Sound like another team, you know, <laughs> yeah. like team, you know yeah. where difficulty kind of yeah. kind of getting all get having all those offensive pieces fit together. I guess the difference is in the case of the Jays, they've got Power. You know, one guy right now too who's who's who is on a heater. That, would, that, uh, helps. That, that helps tremendously. That can cover a lot of... Having a guy who's hitting 500 can cover a lot of, can cover a lot of glaring errors. Uh, next weekend in Ottawa, September 20th to 24th to be exact, at RCGT Park, uh, the Canadian Future Showcase will be held. The Toronto Blue Jays will be hosting it. The Blue Jays Baseball Academy in particular will be hosting it. This is the eighth annual event And it's an opportunity, I mentioned this a little bit, it's an opportunity for the game's best young talent or the best young talent in the game in this country to get together in one place, uh, be coached by former Major League pitchers, compete in a game environment, a competitive environment, and most importantly, gives scouts and college recruiters an opportunity to get together in one area Mm -hmm. and see all the best uh, Canadian baseball players. It's, um, look, when you have a country this big, it's important to offer talent, advi- talent scouts and recruiters as many opportunities as possible to see the very best in the game. And if making one trip to one city is a lot easier for a lot of folks than making trips to seven different cities. Since 2013, 110 former Canadian Futures awesome. Showcase participants have been drafted by Major League Baseball organizations. And perhaps more importantly, more than 500 have received college scholarships. And uh, we're very pleased at this time to be joined by TJ Burton, who is the program manager, amateur baseball at the Toronto Blue Jays. TJ, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. Look, this, I mentioned this event has become a, a, it's a signature event in the Canadian baseball calendar. It's quite frankly, the biggest day of the year for a lot of young baseball players Tell us a little bit about the the reasoning behind having the game in Ottawa this year. And, um, and also while you're at it, just a little bit of the history of this, of, of this particular game.
2: Yeah, no sweat. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. So kind of, kind of, we're just so excited to have it back. It's been uh obviously a long couple couple of years for everybody and, and we've been missing this tournament uh, going on three years now so to bring it back we're so excited and it you know you said it in your intro to have the best 140 kids in one place and and be able to display their talents in front of so many scouts um, is such a amazing opportunity for these young players and it's an opportunity that we're so happy to be a part of um, the group you know being in Ottawa this year we're really excited to be in the nation's capital for this tournament, the group in Ottawa, the Ottawa Titans, have been great in forming this partnership for this season, and uh, we're really excited to to get going. Uh, I,
0: you know, it, it's interesting. This is, uh, I think, 2019 was the last time this event was held, and obviously, COVID-19 uh, had a lot. Well, it's that was the reason, <laughs> but. Um, but how you know tj from your point of view from somebody who's working on the ground and with the grassroots how has the the sort of the development schedule of this cohort of canadian players been affected by covid-19 right because for the longest time there were no sports you know everybody was social distancing and and i'm i'm just wondering if you've noticed if if maybe there are more older players than usual this year in this tournament or there's more of an emphasis, or I'm sorry, less of an emphasis on college scholarships as a result of that. Like, what what has happened as a result of the the, the pandemic to to the the development process of Canadian baseball players?
2: Yeah. So to answer your question, and, and not not in a doomsday way, but it's been devastating for this group. Um, you know, the group that's a lot of the kids that will be in this tournament, and some of the kids that have fortunately still gone on. Um, that two years was really tough. Uh, it was tough for all of us, but when you think about, you know, for this showcase, it, it it's for a group of young men who have chosen, or women, who have chosen to play baseball and make it a sport that they want to pursue after high school. And they work very hard to get to a certain point, and this has become something that young Canadians strive to be a part of. Um, so, So to have this taken away was huge but to have baseball as a whole taken away was um was really really big and what what happened in this country was the the young players that were you know that were so close they were in the conversation for the draft they were in conversation for getting college scholarships they were almost forced well they were forced to go to the united states um during a pandemic cross borders Um, go stay with host families because baseball was still going on down there and they needed to be seen. Scouts couldn't come up to Canada, couldn't cross borders. So um, it was such, it really hurt the development. It really hurt the compete level of this group. Like they weren't used to playing games. Mm -hmm. Um, They've just been working out in high school gyms and indoor facilities across the country and trying to make it work. Um, So you're starting to see it back and it's been such a great summer to see the junior national team traveling around again, youth baseball operating as a whole, and, and to have this tournament come back and, and have this, this amazing group of kids that have been through so much and to be able to provide this opportunity for them, um, we're, again, it's just something from the Toronto Blue Jays that we're so proud of.
1: TJ, how do you think scouting's different from 2019 until now? Uh,
2: that's a great question. So from a college landscape, uh, one thing that's really become a major focus is the portal. Um, to give you a quick uh, kind of e- explanation as to what that is, is basically because of COVID-19, there was such a backup of colleges. Eligibility was extended for players that because they missed seasons, and it just basically created a huge black backlog. So they they reversed uh, transfer rules. So there used to be you have to be with the school for a certain amount of time before you tr- can transfer. Now you can transfer at any time. So players they're going to a school for a year and they're kind of saying like, I don't like the fit here. I'm just going to go in the portal. So college recruiters were looking at it as like, well, I can get a 17 year old kid from Canada, or I can get this 19 year old kid who I've already seen play college baseball. And I'll just have him come over to my team. So um, it, it, it has been a little more work to work with the colleges to come up and, and really to travel around the United States to actually see kids when they can just kind of, Work through the portal and and identify kids through videos. They see names in a portal. They bring up, you know, all the video they have on them, and that's how they recruit. Um, so it's been a big challenge. And on the pro side, I think, I think you know, you're starting to see the evolution of the game. Um, there's a lot more emphasis on little analytical things, you know, uh, measurables, things like that. So I think this it's not you know gone is the scout that loads up the back of his car and drives around and 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 waits to just find that diamond in the rough um, there's a lot of things that go into it and we have a scout day as part of our event where where we measure you know we run the kids through 60s they do broad jumps they do 510 fives they do vertical leaps um, we measure exit velocity when they're when they're um, hitting batting practice we do velocity of throws across the diamond from infielders velocity on throws so there's all these different measurables and numbers that scouts want to see, whereas before a scout used to sit up with a clipboard and he'd write notes on what he saw, and there wasn't really that data for them. So that's that's kind of been the landscape from those from the pro side and the college side. That's kind of been the two big differences.
0: Should also mention by the way that fans can get in in the action. You can purchase tickets at the Ottawa Stadium box office. These are games, right? There are regional. My understanding, they're regional teams, correct?
2: Yeah, no, we 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 we've, we went with the new format in 2019. So we used to do a regional format, but now we kind of we really wanted to dive in and really wanted to ensure that the best 140 players were there. And because of the regions, we felt like there was some areas. Ontario would be one that really came to mind. There was such a large volume of players in Ontario that we felt that there was some kids that weren't making the showcase in Ontario that if they lived in another province, they'd be a slam dunk. Okay. So we kind of went away with that. So it's a showcase style, um, but there are four games a day. It's a round-robin style. We've broken up the kids into six different teams. Um, they will all compete against each other uh, for three days. Again, I said we had a scout day on the first day, which every team will go through a full workout. And on the last day, we're going to name an all-star team, and we're going to have a home run derby and have some fun on the last game. Awesome. But it's, it's really going to be a great opportunity for these kids to uh, really showcase their talents in front of a ton of scouts. We're, we're, we're expecting most major leagues in attendance, and we've had some really good feedback from uh, some major colleges and universities in the states that we'll be attending, so we're really excited for the opportunity for these kids.
0: Who are some of the, uh, the names people, people might recognize as kids who've participated in this, this event in the past?
2: DJ. Oh and the, uh we you know you're we're really starting to see the the really cool stories come to life obviously Mike Soroka um being a major league all-star Mike was in the first couple one of these and uh Zach Pop who's on the Toronto Blue Jays roster right now um there's been other notable major leaguers Josh Naylor his brother Bo Naylors in in AAA and the youngest Naylor is in the tournament this year so uh mm. we've come full circle with that family um, but there's been some other, there's some major contributors like Abraham Toro um, played for team Quebec eight years ago, and now he's helping Seattle and their playoff push. And, but there's also, there's, there's little stories in there of, of, you know, kids that came to this tournament that didn't really know what their future held. And they, they showed well and they got to a college and they did really well there and they were drafted from there. So there, the, this, this showcase is kind of a, uh, there's all different levels of players. There's elite of elite that are, that are guys that cross checkers are coming in to see, and they're going to be talked about for the draft next year. But then there's kids in this that, you know, is going to help a good Division II university in the States win some b- baseball games. So it's really a, a, a wide range of talent, but when it all comes on the field and you're competing, it, it, it makes for a lot of fun.
0: TJ sounds like it should be a great event. Thanks so much for joining stuff. us. Thank you. All right. Appreciate Special it live.
2: guys. Take care. That's TJ Burton. Uh,
0: he is the manager of, uh, make sure I get the title right. Program manager for amateur baseball with the Toronto blue. So Jays. Cool. September 20th to 24th, the event in Ottawa you Can get tickets at the box office. It is, there are actual games. There is a scout mm-hmm. day, but there are actual games as well. And, uh, and a home run derby and, and, um, as, as you heard TJ say, think about that, a third nailer. <laughs> a third nailer already. And uh, and it's just a, such a big event because it's huge. It, it is such a big country. And um, Look at know,
1: me. I'm pretty good. That's that's pretty neat to be able to do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And it's not just the guys who get drafted. It's the guys who go on to play in the colleges and maybe go on scouts themselves or go on to to, it's an opportunity. To coach. It is, is great. If you want to make a career out, of this is the thing. If you want to make a career out of baseball, beyond simply being a guy who's drafted, like there are other careers you can get out of the game. Something like this, which gives you a chance to be to be seen by a U.S. college in particular, is uh, is huge for a lot of for a lot of these kids. And hopefully the weather hopefully the weather holds for them uh, next weekend. And again, we uh, we wish everybody the best. Uh, with that tournament, and if you are in Ottawa, go down to the Ottawa Stadium box office, get some tickets, and uh, it'll be a good, it'll be a good, uh, it'll be a good couple of afternoons mm-hmm. out for you. I've got tickets to give away to see the Jays and Orioles on September 18th. I will do that in the next hour. Tony Gwynn Jr. will join us. The uh, Padres lost six one to the Mariners last night. He is a San Diego Padres radio analyst. The Mariners now they don't. They don't play a game against a team over five hundred for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, that was their last. That was their last sort of serious challenge, and, uh, they just, they, I mean, the Padres, the, the Mariners are awful. The Mariners are the second best team in the American League. I just say it. I don't think that's. I think I'm being captain. Obviously, I think they're better than the Yankees right now.
1: Yeah, you could say that. All parts of the game, you
0: could say that. They, uh, it appears as if, as if after making, I think, what did I say? I looked this up. Jerry DePoto, their general manager, has made, is this right? Like 140 trades. A lot. He's made a crap ton of trades. What was the number? I'm trying to call it out.
1: Castillo a pretty good trade. Yeah. Whoa, the,
0: whoa. Well, the Castillo was the guy, that we talked about this. He was the guy at the deadline. To me, he was the big difference maker. To me, he was the big, yeah, Jerry DePoto. 150 trades in seven years. Wow. As general manager of the Seattle well, Mariners, he's
1: trying. <laughs> Give him credit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is. You guys think Alex and works hard? This guy's probably traded family members, uh, but it looks like uh, <laughs> it looks like he's put the Mariners in position to. Uh, well, they're certainly in position to break that that playoff dry spell. But we'll talk to Tony Gwynn about what he saw in the Mariners in that brief series, and also where the Padres are as well. The Padres kind of uh, one of the the real dramatic teams this year. But when we come back after our break, Dan Shulman, Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet, will join us. 307 is the first pitch this afternoon. Shane McClanahan, Kevin Gossman, the Jays looking for their fourth win in five games against the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll talk to Dan Shulman about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.